When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com, the website for the Barnes & Noble Ohio State University Bookstore, offering all kinds of Ohio State apparel. Check out ShopOhioState.com and our new friends at MinutemanTickets.com, offering sports tickets, concert tickets, theater tickets in Columbus, in Cleveland, around the country. It's a national selection with a personal touch at MinutemanTickets.com. Welcome back to a pre-decision Buckeye Talk. Your Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, and I'm Doug Maurice. Here's what we're doing this week and why we're doing it. The Board of Trustees for Ohio State is meeting Wednesday morning. A decision on the fate of Urban Meyer will come somewhere between Wednesday afternoon and Thursday sometime, probably. Unless you are a believer in the Friday evening news dump, which I am not in this case. They want to get this over with, I yeah. think. So we want to, this is not an emergency podcast, but it's a it's not a normal podcast, and here's why. When this decision comes down, this is the fate of the Ohio State football program at stake. We're going to go like 36 straight hours. We're going to do like a podcast marathon. But we didn't want to wait. We didn't want to wait to give you this week's podcast until then. We wanted to give you hopefully at least 24 hours for you guys to listen and and think about what might happen. So that's what we're going to do here. We're going to focus all on this. It's not going to be two hours, but it's where we are what what we know, what we think about the investigation, and what we think is going to happen. And an analysis of if this happens, what does it mean for Ohio State? Or if this happens, what does it mean for Ohio State? This podcast will self-destruct the moment a decision is announced. But in the meantime, it's a little fodder because there's a lot of fodder out there. So it's not the typical Buckeye talk, except we're going to talk about that freaking robot video that everybody sent me that then they then said wasn't real, right? is a tease for a movie. Or I, something. I it's CGI? It someone, is I it thought the, it was someone in a costume. Is it the one about like the robot that's like jumping onto a gate and trying to rip it down? No, I didn't know about that one. This one was just walking. I didn't know about a jumping gate ripping robot. All right, I'm freaking out. We're going to get right to the main issues of the day. Again, read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review. We'll get to the farts in the next one. Drop a review at Apple Talk. Talk Apple. What's it called? Apple iTunes. A- Apple iTunes podcast extravaganza. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm a little nervous. Here's why I'm a little nervous. We're waiting to see 
whether Jessica Beale is going to call in mm-hmm. to the podcast. Bill, do you want to explain? We're not going to tell you for sure that Jessica Beale is going to be on this pre-decision Buckeye Talk podcast, uh-huh. but she might be. She might be. Yeah. Uh, so this all started with uh, R.J. Bell, who is like a gambling guy on and, on Twitter, and he's from Ohio. And he's from Ohio, and I think he's currently in. Ohio. I follow him on Twitter. I think he's like currently in Ohio, and okay. he and he tweeted out something on Monday night about having a source about Urban. Um, Pushing back on the idea that he might be suspended, and then RJ included in his tweet, and it was written other places that that what they've been looking for is a quote time served punishment, meaning Urban has not been with the team for going on three weeks now, and that should suffice as as a form of suspension. Um, and Freddie Prinze Jr., who I guess follows RJ Bell, like weighed in and was like laughing at the at the idea of using the term time served for a college football coach punishment. And like he wasn't really anti Ohio State. He wasn't really anti anything. He just thought it was ludicrous to lose use that language. Um but then Ohio State fans started coming at him and he had a back and forth with Ohio State fans pretty lengthy. How, now how did you find that? Uh Tony Gerdeman tweeted something about Freddie Prince Jr. showing up in his timeline, so I went right to his profile to see what was going on. Okay. Cause he did. He had like multiple exchanges. A lot, a lot. Yeah. And he's very active on social media. From like I have a, a my buddy of mine who works for the Athletic Matt Fortuna like has like a social media relationship with Freddie Prince Jr. because Freddie Prince likes to tweet. Um, do we need to tell some people who Freddie Prince Jr. is? He he was an, he's an actor. He was actually I was looking at his Wikipedia page. He was not in like a, a whole lot, and his like his career. I think the first like feature movie he was in was like I Know What You Did Last Summer. Okay, it's certainly the first thing people would recognize him from. Um, but he didn't do a ton after that. I think like Summer Catch and She's All That. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, but like never, never, never like major acclaim or box office success but, or anything like that. I don't but think. A, a, that, that but like range a, of teen movies in yeah, the yeah, 90s yeah. era. Yeah. He was, a, he was at yeah. the top of the list, I think, for a period of time. He wasn't in Scream, because then I thought if. He was not. Well, I know what you did last summer in Scream were the same thing. Yeah, because I thought we could get Skeet Ulrich on. <laughs> I was like, well, let's just run through if we can't get Freddie Prince. But then yeah. I, he wasn't in that. So continue. Yeah, so anyway, he was having a back and forth with Ohio State fans. And I said, I tweeted, um, we'll be dedicating a, a lengthy portion of this podcast to a discussion about Freddie Prince Jr.'s interaction with Ohio State fans because I said uh, he is my favorite Phillies pitcher because at the end of Summer Catch, uh, Freddie Prince's character is on the Phillies and he gives up a home run than Ken Griffey Jr., and then Doug quote tweeted that and tweeted it at Freddie Prince Jr. and said, will you come on the podcast? And he politely declined. So then we just started moving down the list. And I suggested uh, my next two favorite actors from Summer Catch, which it's a tie between Brian Dennehy and Ken Griffey Jr. Um, Doug, I think, had had the better idea, which was go after Jessica Biel, who is the love interest of Freddie Prince yeah. Jr. and Summer Catch. Can we just, for a moment... Your idea of a podcast guest is Brian Dennehy, who I think is 86. He played Bobby Knight. I'll take Jessica Biel. <laughs> so, I, so, so I tweeted, uh, when I tweeted at Freddie Prince Jr., I said, um, Hey, Freddie Prince Jr., do you want to be on an Ohio State football podcast tomorrow morning? He replied, Sorry, Doug. I don't care about college football. It's just oversensitive fans freaking out when I laugh at you guys for using the term time served. And I was going to tweet back and be like, Well, I'm not you guys. I'm a reporter. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It. That's the first thing I thought. But I let it slide. And then I said, okay, we tried. But Bill Landis really does like summer catch. Have a lovely night. And he said, have a lovely night catch. also. So by, as a quick, an- another side note, I was covering the Phillies 
when Summer Catch was made. Because there's a couple Phillies players who were in Summer Catch. Because it's a baseball thing. He's like in the Cape Cod League or something, right? And then he ends up playing for the Phillies. So I remember that very vividly. I don't think Freddie Prince Jr. like came to the stadium or anything, but I remember when they were getting guys to like film some scenes. So interesting. There's a huge summer catch uh, connection here that you don't care about. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in this very important time in Ohio State football, we just did five minutes on uh, teen movies of the early 2000s. Watch so. Summer Catch though; it's good. It Holds is good. Up. Yeah. I was going to say something else. But I was gonna make <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I was going to say what I was going to say, but my wife listens to this, so I would never say this. But I was going to say, you know what else holds up? Jessica Biel. But that's not something that I would actually say. That's just what like a, pod, a podcast yeah. version of me would say, yes. honey. I don't really mean that. What, Tim? <laughs> I was just going to make a Brian Dennehy. Say something real quick about Brian Dennehy, Dennehy before we get back on track. You mentioned Brian Dennehy. How do you not mention that he was the father in Tommy Boy? Yeah, he's, he's the greatest actor of our generation. Yeah. I just thought that was understood. Very emotional. Yeah. Uh, Range. Spoiler alert, dies in Tommy Boy. He does. I don't know if he dies in Summer Catch or not. No, here's, I don't think so. Here's, would have added gravitas to that movie, which I think it could have used. All right, so <laughs> we're going to run through some questions that, that people seem to be asking out there. I've, I've read multiple headlines from this. People writing this, national people writing this, this point being made over and over. Why did Zach Smith stick around so long with Urban Meyer? Why did Urban Meyer allow Zach Smith to to put Urban Meyer and Ohio State in this position? Why didn't he take care of it before? Why did he ever hire him at Ohio State to begin with? Why did... you? Being an assistant college football coach is not a is not a right. It's a privilege. You can get fired whenever you want for nothing. And maybe you got to pay him a part of the salary. He was the lowest paid guy on the staff. Urban Meyer, basic Urban Meyer has made more during this suspension than Zach Smith ever made in a year at Ohio State. They could have gotten rid of him easily. And everybody says, "You've read the headlines. Why did Urban Meyer attach himself to Zach Smith. So that's the first question I wanted to deal with on this podcast. Bill Landis, what is your answer? I mean, there's not a, there's not a, an easy one. I, I, certainly part of it is the Earl Bruce relationship, and we've talked about that a lot. I don't think we have to rehash it. Um, like, Zach Smith did not, did not present himself, I think, in a very acceptable manner at times on social media, which you've written about and I've written about. Um the stuff that came out in Brett McMurphy's report last week, I find it perfectly plausible that Urban wouldn't have known any of that. How would he have known any of that, assuming that it's true? Um, so, like, if we're talking about why did you keep a guy around who was, like, kind of a knucklehead on social media and wasn't a great receivers coach but was a good recruiter with the caveat that a lot of people can be good recruiters to Ohio State, um, I think we've we've been around Urban long enough to know that he's loyal Perhaps like he's never fired anybody ever. Like I don't, he's never fired an assistant coach in his entire coaching career. Is that right? I believe that's correct. Like some guys have been ushered off into other jobs, and there were some reports um, that Urban tried to do the same with Zach, and it never took. Um, no one, I guess, no one wanted him because I'm assuming he was. You're not going to leave Ohio State to go be a receivers coach somewhere else. If you're going to leave Ohio State, it's to be elevated to coordinator, and who would hire Zach Smith as a coordinator? Or, in, in or, 
Or it's like a lateral move. You go to be receivers coach at like another good program. I yeah, guess. but I don't yeah. like who would take him. Who would take him? Although to be fair, Ed Warner went from the offensive coordinator at Ohio State to the offensive line coach at Minnesota, and like Ohio State spun that as like, well, we didn't fire him. Yeah, he just decided to leave. So I mean, like ludicrous things. Was up. Yeah, not not renewing someone's contract is the same as firing them. Yeah, I mean Zach Smith. Zach Smith could have wound up as the receivers coach at Troy. Sure. And it would have been like, oh, well, he just... Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like, of course, he got fired. Yeah, and, and Urban didn't allow that to happen, but he probably could have allowed that to happen. So I, when when we talk about Urban keeping Zach around, I'm I'm going to ignore the stuff that just came out from Brett McMurphy's report because I just... I can't imagine Urban would have known all that stuff and is like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Let's let it slide. Like, that's a lot to let slide. Um, and why would he know about it? But... What was I saying? Why? Why? So you're ignoring. I'm ignoring the, the most the recent, most salacious revelations yes. of late. Yes. So you think it's, but you think it's loyalty. I think it's loyalty, and and it comes back to the idea that he was accused. Zach Smith was accused of a very serious crime in 2015 and was never charged. He was investigated and never charged. And I don't know. I've never really been in a position of power where I'm hiring and firing people to know what you're supposed to do in a situation where someone is accused of something and investigate it and not charge. And are you supposed to fire them anyway? Now, granted the, the, the money it would cost to get rid of Zach Smith, like you said, would not have been that much. He didn't get paid that much money, but you also open yourself up, I think probably to like a wrongful termination suit if you want to do that. kind well, of Well, but I don't, but, but I don't know. I, I don't know that you do. Cause, but all you do, all you would get is your contract. I mean, you're not going to sue for an extra $10 million because you got fired for, you just get yeah, fired you, but, without cause. But you could, but isn't the, isn't the point of a wrongful termination suit like you've been defamed in such a way that prohibits you from getting a job somewhere else, and then you can sue for like future lost wages? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm getting I, the my impression from talking to a couple of people is that that would necessarily not really come into play. But I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm also not suggesting like he didn't fire Zach Smith because he was afraid of a wrongful termination suit. I don't think that's true either. But I just think that's a, a separate conversation. Mostly, it's loyalty. I think it's loyalty to Earl. It's not loyalty to Zach. It's loyalty to Earl and to like. Help his grandson keep his footing in this in this profession. Clearly, like I don't I don't think Zach Smith would be a coach otherwise if Urban didn't give him a job. Maybe someone else or a work with would have given him a job, but because clearly Zach would not have risen in, risen to this level without Urban's help and without Urban being loyal to Earl. Um, so I think that's what it is, and I don't I don't think before. Before this stuff came out, like I don't think there was anything anything that was like, man, Urban, I can't believe you're keeping this guy around. Like he's kind of an idiot on social media, and he's not that great of a coach, but like he's not. So un- so untenable that that he's running. Well, at least we didn't know that he was running a muck inside your program. Um, so I don't. I, I never thought of it until now, and I think it's explained away with Urban's loyalty to Earl Bruce. Tim, do you have anything to add to that? I think you kind of summed it up. Like the loyalty thing's interesting because we've seen you know Urban Meyer keep coaches on that we've questioned whether or not they should be on. You know Tim Beck after 2015, Bill Davis after last season. Um, or hired in the first place. Yes, exactly. I mean, that too. I mean, no one's perfect with their hiring record. Let's be fair about that. Um, even Nick Saban's probably had some misses in his coaching career. But I think the Earl Bruce connection plays into it a little bit. And the fact that he obviously knew Zach Smith a long time ago, was willing to give him a shot, and saw something in him that maybe he thought he could eventually become a better coach. He liked what he saw, obviously, in recruiting it. Enough to keep him around for as long as he could, but you know, based on everything, everything that has come out, it kind of it's with all the stuff that's come out. I it's hard to imagine Urban knew any of this, 
like all of it, all those details it, from McMurphy's reports and things of that nature. So, um, when it, it, it's a lot of it, I think comes to loyalty and trust. Like he trusted Zach Smith that back in 2009, things were taken care of. And then he finds out that apparently it was still bad. So <clears throat> that was too long. We talked too long on that. That's, we're going to go a little quicker. Here's my answer in five words. Earl, 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 Earl. Everyone keeps asking it. It's what Zach Smith would have been out on his butt five years ago. It's Earl. It's like, it's Earl. There's nothing else there. He got a job at Ohio State when he was 27. It's Earl. It's loyalty to your second father. You would do anything. He would do anything. Urban Meyer had a blind spot for Zach Smith. He would do anything for Earl Bruce, including employ his knucklehead grandson for more than a decade to the point that it may cost Urban Meyer his career. That's how much he would do for Earl Bruce. It's not defending Urban Meyer, but that's it. That is it. There is nothing that Zach Smith did as a coach or a recruiter that a hundred other guys couldn't have done. And he was a knucklehead from day one to the final day. Now, being a knucklehead isn't the same thing as you deserve to be fired. is isn't the same thing as potentially breaking the law, as potentially being a, an abuser of your wife. But he's a knucklehead. He's an embarrassing knucklehead. He's always been an embarrassing knucklehead. At the very least, he's a self-promoter. He's a loudmouth. He embarrassed the program on social media. He was not good. And Urban tolerated him. He had a blind spot for him. And it may end up costing him his career. Like, this is, this is like back to Greek, Greek tragedy stuff. Earl Bruce is the guy up on the mountain, and Urban climbs up the mountain, and the guy says, hey, what can, you know, thanks for helping me get up the mountain. What can I do for you? And, and he looks down at the bottom of the mountain, and there's a guy down there playing in the river chasing squirrels, and he says, you see that guy? Could, could you do something with him? I, I'm a little worried about that guy. He, he likes to chase squirrels. If you could just make sure he never catches the squirrel, that will be enough. You will have repaid me. And it's like, okay, I'll do it forever. And here we are. I like, I just don't, people like are writing these columns and saying like, why would he do this? And then like one of the reasons, one of the reasons is like, well, maybe, of course, that's it. In my humble opinion. That's it. I don't think there's anything else. Because Well, the other thing that comes up is Urban being driven so much to win that he would ignore such a thing as domestic he, abuse allegations against but an assistant coach. Against an average coach. Right. No, you, I'm not saying that's I, the thing. Yeah, I don't against, think, against the run-of-the-mill coach, I don't think that's true. And I don't, I'm not saying that I think Urban covered anything up here, but I think, I think this is a special situation that relates only to Zach Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the idea of, of – uh, any idea that, like, Urban Meyer will do anything to win – if he was doing anything to win, he would have fired Zach Smith. Yeah. Uh, Zach Smith seemed like a different person the last couple years. You could see it in him physically. I think you could sense it in him. He seemed more distracted. Like, not to the point. I didn't like the way he did his job for the last couple years. 
I didn't like the way he did his job. I think he was failing in his job. I didn't like the way he handled himself. And all this stuff, I remember like in the spring or was it like when it was like, oh, Ryan Day is working with the receivers now too. Urban mentioned that one day. Mm-hmm. And then like we asked Zach Smith about it. And Zach Smith was like, well, I was working with receivers and my receivers. And it's like, what do you think that is? He sucks. We got to have Ryan Day. Go do this. People are talking about, oh, Garrett Wilson and Zach. You said Ryan Day is the guy who locked down Garrett Wilson. 100%. Ryan Day spent the, like the, the definitive, not the definitive day in that recruitment, but a very important day in that recruitment was after Garrett Wilson had gone on his visits, Ryan Day spent an entire day at Lake Travis High School, like solidifying that commitment. It wasn't Zach Smith. Making up, checking up, making up for the knucklehead. And I don't think that's a lot. You can call someone a knucklehead, right? Yeah. And I, allegedly a knucklehead. Is that better? Alleged knucklehead Zach Smith. I think knucklehead, that I think f- knucklehead has been confirmed. What's the legal phrasing? Yeah. yeah. If, by the by the legal definition of knucklehead, have we reached that threshold? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He's a knucklehead. But Ur- I think Urban just thought he's Earl's knucklehead grandson. And we've always talked about it. Urban's a receiver's coach by trade. He doesn't really, you know, but I think the receiver plat- the receiver's plateauing the last couple of years is Zach Smith. But it's like if you're reading, why? Why would he do this? It's inexplicable. It's 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 completely applicable. Yeah. It's Earl's grandson. That's it. It's a tale as Angela Lansbury so profoundly sang. Tale as old as time. And Zach Smith is the chipped little drink cup walking around with no legs. Hey, everybody, can I be a receiver's coach? And you just think, whatever, fine, do your thing. And it turns out you end up, you take a drink, you take a little drink of tea, and you cut your lip and you bleed to death. And that's <laughs> what's happened here. It's, I, 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 I just, it's just whatever. I, the headlines, I don't mean to yell. Well, of course I mean to yell. I just, all the headlines that I've seen. What is the possible expo? I would just like to say, check again from afar. This seems... Peculiar. What is the... What are you talking about? <laughs> of course, what do you mean? There's one. It's one thing. Now, so the question is, should you... I mean, and that's... Should you be fired for it? It was bad. It was a mistake by Urban Meyer. But it... it like, it, I don't... It wasn't a mistake of like, I'll do anything to win. Ooh, like... No, yeah. Hiding in a back corner. Here's my... Urban, what's your secret plan to win a national championship? Two words. Zach Smith. <laughs> Oh, that'll get Bama. Remember when Zach Smith beat Bama? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's not it. No, it's not. That's it. not it. Like, like if you, it's like, oh, the secret plan of like whatever. Like the, all the things that people bring up with her. Ooh, why did you do? Look, there's things all over the place. This player, that player, that. Not this. Who do you think Zach Smith is? Yeah, no, that's a good. That is okay. a point that gets lost in all that. Like, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not talking about like the next coming of Vince Lombardi here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's the lowest paid assistant on the staff for a reason. Yeah, yes. So I just wanted to yell about that because that's the thing. I do have a question that would work in well here, Bill Landis. Oh man, caught me off guard. <clears throat> we can go to the next thing that I have written in the notebook. Yeah, want. we did not get a question related specifically to Zach. I don't okay. think or their relationship. Okay, so let's 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 do this. No matter what. Ohio State chooses to do with Urban Meyer. Keep him uh, with no suspension, suspend him, or fire him. This has been a divisive enough issue. Oh, I have a question. 
Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I think it kind of, I think it kind of goes uh, towards this. Uh, I just lost it, man. Okay, this is from this is from John Snow, North of the Wall. That's how he signed the email. <laughs> uh, he said, "Since the Zack Smith story broke, I've read many, many pieces from national writers and publications just destroying Urban Meyer." He said, "You can taste the venom and the hatred, in it, and it's pretty clear." He said, I can understand Meyer rubbing some people the wrong way, but this level of vitriol before a report or a resolution is a little surprising. Why is Urban so strongly hated? Uh, I think there's a couple things. I think one is um, at times like this, and I do the same thing too. Um, the power imbalance in college football is such that these head coaches are making six, seven, eight million dollars a year to coach unpaid teenagers. And I'm not trying to sidetrack this because every time you bring up paying players, people go bonkers, right? But that imbalance, whenever there is malfeasance, the imbalance becomes harder to stomach. And when it's like, okay, well, if, if a player had done this, what would have happened to him? But Zach Smith, who's making $350,000 a year, he gets away with it. And all this money. And they're, college football, I think, in that way, is broken to some degree. It's, it doesn't make sense, really. If you started from scratch, this is not the system that you would create. And that leads to when there is something done wrong. If – here. People, people go more crazy. And then also there is this underlying thing with college sports of like, we're not just playing games, we're making better men and all this stuff. And I do think some of it is real. I think a lot of it is PR. I think some of it's bull crap. But the thing that I always try to bring up to people is in 13 years of covering Ohio State football, I have gotten to know many very good people who have played football for Ohio State and many very good families of those players and a ton of those players and families loved Jim Trestle and those people who loved Jim Trestle were good people. That's indisputable. They were good people. So when good people like someone, there's some good in that person. It doesn't make that person perfect. Of course, those people are going to have a bias because they love him. But it's not a sinister thing where secretly everybody who played for him and all the families who interacted with him actually thought he was a terrible person. They loved Jim Tressel. That was always a check mark for Jim Tressel. Once people like that go to bat for you, that matters. It's like character witnesses. Same thing with Urban Meyer. I think perhaps to a slightly lesser degree, the people, players, Jim Tressel's players really love Jim Tressel. But I do think there are a lot of good players and good families who like and love Urban Meyer, like and love what this program has done for them. And so when you line that up, you can't ignore that. Yes, they push him hard and sometimes they're ruthless with their decisions, whatever. But there are a lot of good people who like him. So that always matters. I think from afar, it's, it's easy to do that. So, but I think there's a hypocritical part of it that when if a, if an NBA coach, had done this or an NFL coach or whatever. It's like, well, you're just coaching millionaires, fire somebody. That's it. We're not trying to pretend yeah. that we're making better men. That's a part of it. And then, um, and I'm going to write about this at some point. I'm sort of saving it for one of the decisions in urban Meyer. We realize now carries Florida with him, wherever he goes. We got a question about that. I too. thought for six years, 
He's now been at Ohio State as long as he was at Florida. I thought to a great degree he had shed Florida Urban. And every story you read criticizing Urban Meyer, many of the stories say something like, he did this with Zach Smith, but of course he did this with Zach Smith. Look at what he's done before. And they run down a list. And almost everything on that list is what happened at Florida. Mm-hmm. The only thing at like Ohio State is is like Carlos Hyde, except Carlos Hyde wasn't charged with anything when he raised his fist at a woman in a nightclub but did not physically harm her. He suspended him. He indefinitely suspended him. Then when that information came out, suspended him for three games. He did give him something, but like that comes up. But this is not a thing at Ohio State where Urban has a list of things. Look at what Urban does at Ohio State. All he cares about winning is is winning. All he does is cut corners. All he does is associate with questionable people. Look at Ohio's that's not that is just not the reality at Ohio State. Yep. Mm-hmm. But this Ur, this Florida stuff, he cannot escape that. And I'm not saying that's unfair. That's part of his resume. You cannot deny the arrests. You cannot deny the problems that multiple players at Florida had. But I think Urban wanted to erase Florida Urban. I think Urban learned. I think Ohio State Urban learned from Florida Urban, and I think Ohio State Urban thought he had killed Florida Urban. And it turns out Florida Urban came back from the dead. And and that is a part of this. That, to me, is a part of this. From the PR standpoint for Ohio State, that every time their coach has been written about, a lot of this stuff has been brought up. And Ohio State doesn't want Florida Urban. Ohio State wants Ohio State Urban. And I think for six years they had him, but they realized they couldn't completely shake Florida Urban. And that's that's a part of this, too. So I think it's a threefold thing. A broken system, a per perception of, of being a hypocrite, and that this guy has a, a record in his past that people can bring back up now. We had a question from uh, Jason Adams, who was uh, right along these lines we're talking about. He says, I get that Urban had some questionable players on the Florida squad. Don't know if that was true at Utah Bowling Green or Bowling Green, but at Ohio State, he has had almost no issues. Is he really deserving of the horrible image the media slash fan bases have of him? He also says, love the show, even Tim. Um, <laughs> even me. Like, I think... Uh, who wrote, somebody wrote this. Who wrote this? Dave Briggs wrote it. I think Dave Briggs from the Toledo Blade wrote a column a couple weeks ago about how Urban had a problem turning a blind eye to players at Florida, which he seems to have largely rectified, I think, at Ohio State. They have not had many issues. You mentioned Carlos Hyde. Um, Briante Dunn was arrested and charged with domestic violence. He was immediately kicked off the team. Um, like Joey Bo or Nick, yeah, Joey Bosa had like a minor run in. A couple guys got one game suspensions to start the twenty fifteen season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, nothing major, I don't think. And I don't, and I think that's the sign of of a program that was healthy. But it did what Dave Briggs wrote in his column, which I thought was an interesting point to make, is that Urban may have flipped from turning a blind eye toward players to turning a blind eye toward coaches. Whether that is like we would discuss earlier. Hiring people he should have never hired in the first place or staying loyal to assistant coaches who are clearly underperforming in their jobs or in the specific case of Zach Smith, um, having a blind eye to personal transgressions, perhaps, and keeping him on staff. Um, I didn't read Briggs' column because screw Dave Dave Briggs and you can tell him I said that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's really good. Also, but if you see him, tell him Doug says, go jump in a lake, Dave Briggs. That's just a thing. He said the F word in front of my kids one time. 
Really? Like I went to we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. It was like we, went to, we met Dave Briggs and Kyle Rowland at Buffalo Wild Wings with my young children, and Briggs like was like, "What the f?" And, and I was like, "Oh my god, put the you know put the earmuffs on." But then that freed me up to after that say the f word in front of my kids all the time because what's well, good? Briggs broke the glass. Yeah, it's like f word glass shattered. Who's that, that tall be, guy swearing? That has to be really freeing to be able to talk the way you would normally talk in the presence of your children. Yeah, you know what's the problem, though? Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, where else has he had a blind eye in coaching? Like, if the idea of, okay, he had a blind eye for players in Florida, and he, is there anybody? I mean, who else would that, that idea apply to at Ohio State beyond Zach Smith? Oh, I don't know. Like, the, the idea of, like, now he did it with players, now it's just Zach Smith. Like, I don't think he's... Oh like, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Like, I don't. Like, I don't think. The... Yeah, because because I think it, you're right. It isn't. It, I think it's fair to criticize some of his hires, but certainly yeah, like, yeah. allowing players who like broke the law or should have been suspended to stay on the team or, or keeping Zach Smith on staff is different from like Tim Beck sucks as offensive coordinator. And he was gone after two years. Yeah, yeah he just didn't do it after one year, which right. I think he probably should have. Yeah, but, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, and like every with personal conduct, not yeah. necessarily job performance. Ever, like he doesn't fire him, but he gets he got rid of some guys. Yeah, yeah. So it probably only applies to Zach. I but did. I think it's a point worth making that, and, and it's just to to agree with what you said. Like Florida stays with him, and Florida should stay with him because it's a part of his past. And and that's not to say you can't overcome your past, but like it doesn't get wiped away completely. Yep. But I do think the way he handled his players at Ohio State is drastically different from the way he handled his players in Florida. And I think it's mostly the guys he's bringing in. I think they make I make they make uh, I think smarter, tougher decisions in recruiting. And and it's not to cast aspersions on any kid who didn't. But there are some kids that they were in on that that they ended up not getting or not taking who were really highly rated guys who wound up somewhere else and some of those guys were fine and didn't have issues but some of those guys it's like why didn't they and it's like well one of the reasons that they didn't end up with that kid is because they just said okay like we're just we're out you know and, and they've yeah. done that here and there and i'm not trying they don't get credit for that but it's just a just a reality that they don't just only recruit the absolutely most talented guys they can get regardless and i think Maybe at Florida he did that because he was yeah. trying to win. It was the SEC. He, this was his big shot. He was he was doing whatever it took to win. It was hyper competitive. There were high, super high expectations, and that was just the way he had to roll. And it's just been different here. But this is this is creeping back up um, to ensnare him again. And it's and it's sort of it's an interesting combination because again I I feel like this is. It's a blind spot. It's a it's a one person thing, as far as we know. We don't have any reason to believe that like this is a cultural thing. It's one guy. Now, if we find otherwise, we find otherwise. But at the moment, I'm assuming like this does not prove that Urban Meyer blank. This proves that Urban Meyer with this guy failed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you can decide to what degree did he fail, and should he be fired for that failure. But if you're trying to figure out why or what that says about Urban Meyer, I'm not sure what. I, it, it's like, is it a, is it a, I'm, I'm not trying to be inelegant. I'm not going to say the thing I was going to say, but sometimes you do a thing and it's like, wow, this, this proves this guy is going to like do this all the time. And sometimes you just do one thing once and it's that p- specific situation. I failed there, but I'm not, that situation isn't going to come up again. So I'm yeah. not going to fail that way again. Um, all right. So Tim, yes, regardless of the outcome, Ohio State is going to anger people. Mm-hmm. They're going to be angry people, regardless of the decision. So, of course, you know, we can look at both ways because that affects what they should do. But, but 
what should Ohio State do about those angry people once this decision is made? And how much should they care about that? How much is this a factor for the football program, the athletic department, and the university going forward that this has been a very public thing for a month and they're going to make a decision that there's no way they can please everybody? Should they care about that? No. Because if you make a decision based on, you know, how people are going to react, then you're setting a dangerous precedent that, you know, every decision you have to make is a, is due to public pressure. You know, that public pressure can, can now suddenly influence every decision a university makes. And that's a slippery slope that you want to make. And it could not only affect Ohio State, it could affect programs all across the country. They're like, hey, Ohio State caved on this. We can get, we can just send all sorts of pressure on this school and that school to get this to happen. So that it's a dangerous precedent, and like you said, there no one's going to be happy. Like not everyone's going to be happy, regardless of the outcome, because you have two sides that are incredibly split on this. You have the side that is fire Urban right away, and the side that's keeping because there's so many conflicting reports and information out there. Um, so there's no middle ground here from a large amount of people outside of like people that cover this and can look at both sides and be objective to everything. And what's going on. But if as soon as you, it's it's like that old saying when it comes to coaches and general managers. When you start listening to fans, you become one. Mm. Wow. Is that an old saying? That's good. Okay. So so don't so don't don't let I mean, we know we know PR is in here, but don't let what outside people are gonna say affect what you feel is the right thing to do, is the basic thing. Tim brings up an in- interesting point in that. Discussion, I think, Bill. Is there a middle ground? Is there a, is there, can they thread the needle on this to partially placate all sides? Or is that impossible? I don't know. I think it's tough. And that brings up the conversation of like a reinstatement with suspension, I think. Um, but I, like, an, and a suspension is, an admission of guilt on some level. You're you're culpable in something. I don't I don't know what that something is. Whether it's lying at Big Ten media days, which like I think would be ridiculous to suspend somebody for that. Um, so I don't know. No, I I guess I'm inclined to to agree with Tim and say that there really isn't a, a middle ground because either you reinstate him fully and he has his job and you said he followed what he was supposed to do by the book, or you fire him because he didn't do what he was supposed to do by the book. And if you find if you land somewhere in the middle, I think by doing that you're accepting some level of of culpability in all this. And I don't know, I don't know if Ohio State wants to go down that road. I think that's that's, I think that makes it linger a little longer than it would otherwise. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I don't think there's much of a middle ground. I do think there's a there's a delicate apology. I think an apology should be part of this. Mm-hmm. Um. I think an apology should be part of this. And I do think there's an apology out there to be made that says – you make me nervous when you – was that – is that news? No. No, it's an uh, AP poll thing. It uh, – I, I think there's something that you can say that says, listen, this, this got screwed up. I, I, next time we'll do it better. We know and I think – I'm I'm very big believer in uh, – and I try to do – we talk about it all the time with questions. In, in trying to cut out the legs 
of the thing that you know the person's going to say when you when you do something. So I try to say in my question, I know blibbity blobbity bloobity blop, but I don't want that to be your answer to what I'm about to say. So I'm going to acknowledge it and then ask it so you actually have to give an answer. So I think Ohio State uh, somewhere along the line needs to say, listen, we know there are going to people going to be people who say we don't take domestic abuse seriously or that we are enabling or not punishing this. And and I don't know what to tell you like this is awful. We could not feel more terrible about all of this. But there was so much confusion, there was failure here, but we don't think it was failure of a malicious failure. We think it was a failure of a lack of knowledge, a failure, and we're not excusing that. We're just not firing them for it. But we're going to hold everybody accountable. We're going to make sure we're better at this next time. We're going to be a leader in the community. We're going to be transparent. I think transparency is important with this. Mm-hmm. We can briefly get into something there. I think there's a way to say, and 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 people who say, um, we're doing this through our coach. How can we do this? Listen, we stand. We we believe in Urban Meyer. We're not afraid to stand up here today and say we believe in Urban Meyer, but we don't believe all of his actions were correct. So he should face punishment for that. We're we're not doing this. We're not firing him, but we're not letting him off. We thought about firing him, and if you want to say that we only kept him because he's a winning coach, we think he's a good coach who mishandled this, and we want to make sure he never mishandles this again. So you can say that we have ulterior – like, I think it's out there. I, I honestly think it's out there. I, that, that seems – I don't know. Do you think that's disingenuous? Do you think – No, no, no. I, I think I think they can say that and, and truly mean it. And I, Personally, I think that would be like an acceptable resolution, but – and and – to go back to what Tim said, like I don't, I don't think perception. I was on the perception train for a while, and and I don't think PR perception, public outcry, or whatever should influence whatever the decision is. Um, but I don't think people would find that very acceptable. But what you just laid out, okay. I I think you either need to, like I said, make it black or white. He did what he's supposed to do when he's coaching, or he didn't do what he's supposed to do when he's not coaching. And I think you you it gets a little muddy when you when you try to do all that stuff. Now you can apologize and I think you can like restructure um, the language like in your policies and like mm-hmm. make that clear because um, it is we've we talked about for a couple of days the sexual misconduct policy it's not very clear right like, it's a little confusing like we're not lawyers maybe it's clear to lawyers but to normal people to read it's not very clear on like what you're supposed to do and what you're not required to do um, so I think maybe they can offer some clarity in that respect but I don't I don't think you can come out and say like on some level, admit that Urban did not handle him this situation properly, and keep him, and not just get bombarded with a storm of people accusing you of only being out to win. So you think it's better? So you think it's by the book? Either did what he was supposed to do, or he didn't. We're not firing him because he did what he was supposed to do. If you yeah. don't like it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, again, the one thing I've brought up before is what happened in Colorado with Mike McIntyre and the former assistant coach Joe Tumpkin. I, I had to, I want to double check and go back through and make sure I remember exactly what happened. Um, if you if you missed it, I wrote a story a few weeks ago on Cleveland.com about the last time this has happened to a head coach where he had a former assistant accused of domestic violence. At the end of the investigation, Colorado had demanded that sent letters of reprimand to the coach, the athletic director, and the chancellor of the university. They suspended the chancellor for 10 days. The athletic director and the head coach each were required to donate $100,000 to charities. 
to benefit domestic violence awareness. So I can imagine if they don't fire him, they say like they reprimand him. They say like Bill said, they're gonna they want change the language, change you know the structure of all structure of reporting something like this, and require that you know Urban has to donate money and you know attend a class or something like that to really make sure to really make sure that like all this is understood. I mean, it's clear that something like with with something like this on the wall of the facility that you're that you have to hold that standard throughout the program. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that goes into the, that goes into like the thing we're talking about the being a hypocrite that's like when it's on the wall of a facility you have to make sure you're you're walking that walk. That's an interesting case and Tim's it's smart to bring that up because again just not to delve into it too much, but the Colorado thing was worse and nobody got fired and nobody cared. <laughs> so yeah, it's also Colorado. I mean, it's Colorado. I mean, that's just, but it, you know, I think that matters. Like, it, oh, for sure matters. But it's just a thing of like, it's not, and Ohio State can't do things and say, well, look what Colorado did. Yeah. Like, that's not, you don't get to do that when you're Ohio State. But um, it's a good point worth making, though. It's a point worth making. Yeah. All right. I mean, the big difference is Joe Tumpkin was charged with multiple felonies and exactly. worse. Yeah. And the and the woman, the woman, who, worse. The, the Courtney Smith in that situation came and talked to the head coach for half an hour, and, and then the coach contacted the athletic director, and nothing happened. And and the coach also was the defensive coordinator for the bowl game because I believe Jim Levitt, who was the defensive coordinator, took another job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I said well, I don't want to go. We don't need to talk about who was right. coordinating a bowl game. But but, but, but they it was worse. It was worse than this, and nobody got fired. It's just a point. Yeah. It's just a point to make. Okay, let's get into a little football stuff, and then at the end of this, we're going to make our predictions. Urban Meyer is fired. In that situation, Urban Meyer is no longer Ohio State's head coach. Let's get to the question specifically about that. Um, okay. This was from uh, Adam Butel. Sorry for pronouncing your name the wrong way. He said, let's get hypothetical. How many games would the loss of Urban Meyer cost Ohio State in 2018? And then is Urban the difference between making and missing the playoff? Tim. He definitely, the firing of Urban definitely cost Ohio State at least one game. I'm going to go on record right now. I have been going 11-1. and one. If Urban Meyer fired, I'm going to say right now, I don't think they have a chance of winning at Penn State without Urban Meyer. Why? Because because you would have an inexperience. You would have Ryan Day, who granted we we know of his acumen as a coach. He proved it last season. He's in, he's going to be an inexperienced head coach going into an environment which is one of the toughest in college football. We anticipate is going to be a whiteout. It's going to be the first true road game, and you don't know how that's going to how he's going to react. I'm, we're going to talk about this for the next month or two, but there's there will be so much working against Ohio State that even though. Ohio State, I think, is more talented than Penn State in a lot of areas. The whiteout has had crazy things happen so no, many. Okay, but do you think how does Urban Meyer make them better in a whiteout? That's that's I, I understand that Com- it's hard to play. I think composure at the top, you know, okay. making sure like everybody's organized because he's been there before. He's obviously coached at Penn State against Penn State in Happy Valley several times. He knows how to handle it better than Ryan Day does, who's never been there before as as a head as an Ohio State coach. Bill, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to say this because, like, Urban Meyer is a legend and he is one of the greatest college football coaches ever. I think they'd be fine. 
like, I don't know, like, uh, Greg Schiano's been in Beaver Stadium. Larry Johnson used to work in Beaver Stadium. So did Greg Schiano. Like, Mick Marotti has led Ohio State teams in the, in the Beaver Stadium. But that's the game you want to want to hinge on. Like, the roster is the roster. They're very talented. They could be the most talented team in the country. Um, I think they might have the best coaching staff in the country with Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano and Larry Johnson and Alex Grinch. Like, this is a, a ridiculous collection of assistant coaches. Um I think the long-term effect of Urban is a different dis- – losing Urban is a different discussion. But for the 2018 season, I think Ohio State can still win the Big Ten, can still contend for the playoff, can still win whatever games I thought they were going to win with Urban because the roster is that good and that doesn't change. The only thing that would give me pause on that is if the players would bail because they were mad about Urban getting fired, and I don't think that would happen. So to Tim's point, I was talking to someone the other day who um... – knows Urban Meyer pretty well and he was he was making the point of of Urban as like the weekly hammer of leading a team through a season tough game after tough game you got to get up for this game you got to and that Urban is very good at that right we all talk about the psychology of Urban Meyer mm-hmm. the motivation of Urban Meyer getting you ready to go into Beaver Stadium in a whiteout and play at your best. That Urban Meyer, there is something that Urban Meyer does that he is good at getting a team to play its best, especially over a 12-game season. This person was making the point about, like, the Iowa game last year. Like, that doesn't usually happen to Urban Meyer teams. That Like, he keeps on you, okay, like, we're not going to – like, let Purdue jump up and bite us this year because I'm going to do all this. We know all the motivational stuff. I think there is a point to be made motivationally about Urban Meyer and that idea. Um, I think Mick Mirati can pick up a lot of that slack. I think he can. And I do think my, my main – my overall thing would be I think they would be okay for this year. I would not – I don't think I would adjust my prediction on Urban Meyer not being here, not for this year, because the structures are in place. Unlike 2011, they're not losing any players. 2011 players did bail, for sure. Um, but as I've said, I, I am very intrigued by the young leadership of this team who's been waiting for their time, waiting for their turn. This might be the only season Dwayne Haskins ever starts at Ohio State. If he's good. Yep. For sure. He's not going to – he could be coached by a scarecrow, and he's going to do what he's going to do because this is it for him. He gets one shot. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing away, as Alexander Hamilton once said, I'm not throwing away my shot. Shot, I'm not uh, – there's a rap part in there, but I'm not throwing like away my shot. Just scrappy and hungry. And I'm um, yeah, yeah. Shot. yeah. They're young. Oh, well, what if we did a preview of like we got all the uh, we got like the five best players in Ohio State to wear like powdered wigs and yeah. founding father like jackets <laughs> and stuff, and and we said young, scrappy, and hungry, and that was our. Do you think we have time to pull that together? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Can we get Chase Young in a powdered wig? Chase Young is young. Who are scrappy and hungry? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. That's what we can call the defensive line. Chase Young is young. Bosa is uh, Bosa's not scrappy. Bosa's hungry. He's hungry. And then Draymond can dra- Oh, BB. You B- want BB is scrappy. BB scrappy. Young, scrappy, and hungry. Yeah. And then uh, Draymond Jones is just Draymond Jones as himself. Yeah, Draymond Jones is just like, I'm not doing yeah. nicknames. Never saw Hamilton. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So um, I don't think it would affect them. I think they'd be okay this year. Like, I, I agree with the point of like, 
you've got to motivate them week to week. You've got to motivate them for big games. But I think they have enough people who could pick up the slack that, that I would not necessarily take a game off this year. Bigger question, long term. Start with you this time, Bill. Long term Ohio State without Urban Meyer. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't really know. It depends on who they would hire, but um, like one other person, maybe two other, if you can include Dabo now, like runs their program the way that Urban runs their program and recruits the way that Urban recruits. And to assume that that would continue, I think would be foolhardy. Um, the brand, I think, will maybe take a little bit of a hit temporarily. Um, like you could lose coaches and coaching staff, like players could transfer. Um, there's a lot that could happen. So I, I, there would just be a lot up in the air. I, I don't think that Ohio State would go into some kind of hole automatically because it lost over Meyer because they'd obviously be able to attract a very good coach. But um, it would just be different. It would be different from the well-oiled machine that is an Urban Meyer-run college football program that competes for championships on a yearly basis. So I think that would take a little bit of a hit. Tim, you're more likely to have a Mark Helfert situation than a Dabo situation when it comes to replacing head coaches. I mean, when I say Helfrich, I mean, he came in and replaced Chip Kelly. Yeah, he led Oregon to a national title, but that program just collapsed under Helfrich. Like, they were... They have collapsed? They, they made a national championship game... And then they had the, the Alamo... With Kelly's players. Yeah, and then yeah. the next year they had the TCU collapse in that Alamo Bowl game where they forgot how to snap a football. That's the Alamo Bowl. But, then, but they did, and then but then they didn't recruit, right? Yeah, they didn't recruit, and then they, I believe, they fell out of a bowl game. Like, they just fell apart entirely. They fired Helfrich, brought in Willie Taggart for a year. He goes to Florida State, and now they have Mario Cristobal as head coach. So that's already two head coaches you've had to get because you They're lost. Four, your, that's collapse. Yes, exactly. I couldn't remember the record off the top of my head. I knew they got their doors blown off by Washington, I think. the National year. title appearance, 9-4, and 4-8, four, four and eight, fired. Yeah, yeah. Part of that also is because Mark Helfers could not recruit a quarterback to save his life. But Dabo's the exception <laughs> to the rule where you're better off by by promoting from within. So then that puts all sorts of pressure on Ohio State. If Urban's gone, you have to make that decision. Do you want to keep Ryan Day as your head coach, or do you want to go outside and get a Matt Campbell, for example, to be the head coach? But either way, to Bill's point, I think you have to anticipate the program will take a step back because it's almost impossible to replace an Urban Meyer with a guy of that caliber, and step back is relative. Like it's not like I don't think I don't think four and eight is out there for whatever, whoever would be the next head coach. But like I don't know, third place finish in the big. But will they be one of the three best teams in the country? Yeah, yeah. Three best programs yeah. in the country. Well, again, like if they keep the roster intact, probably. But the, I mean, they weren't before. They were good, but but Jim Trestle wasn't consistently one of the three best programs in the country every year. Now they made back to back national title games and they won the national title, but. They were they were striving and trying to get to the level to to win bowl games and that was an issue for a little bit um, and then they did and then they did and, and if he had stuck around I think maybe they would have gotten back to that point um, but they were always good they're always the best team in the Big Ten the Big Ten is better now I think it's an interesting point to look at it and, and depending on what happens I mean certainly we'll delve into this Mark Helfrich and Chip Kelly I think is a very interesting example I think it's a very interesting example Oregon's not Ohio State. Now, Oregon does have some things with Nike and mm-hmm. some, they do have some structural things that there should be constants there, but they don't have the tradition. They don't have the recruiting base of Ohio State. So that's an issue. Um, let me throw out the other side. Oklahoma. They had a Hall of Fame national championship coach just like decide to quit and they promoted the offensive coordinator and they're better. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that like you're going to lose Urban Meyer and be better. But Lincoln Riley was ready. 
Like, who would Oklahoma rather have right now, Bob Stoops or Lincoln Riley? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. There's no question. And in their first year, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley came in, beat Ohio State here, and made the playoff in year one. So it's it would be a test. I think they'd be fine now. Long-term is more of an issue. they got to make the right hire. They'll get a good guy. I think Matt Campbell is a name that is worth continually throwing out. I would think I would put Matt Campbell on my list ahead of Ryan Day. I mean, unless yeah, so unless Ryan, I mean, even you know, if Ryan Day goes. Ryan Day wins the national championship. Then okay, short of that, um, then I think you have to keep your your options open. I think the recruiting would change. I think the number one thing would be recruiting. Urban has elevated this recruiting to a new level for them to be competing and getting Texas kids, Georgia kids, California kids, Florida kids. That's I, a th- I, like, I, like no one does. The teams that recruit those areas are in those areas. Like, does anyone do yes. what Urban does? No, not not at the five star level. Yeah, not to. I mean, everybody usually the Big Ten takes like three stars. They take the kids from Florida who don't get Florida State offers, right. and then they get good players. That's what Ohio State did. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got Santonio Holmes and Brian Roll and different guys from Florida, but they weren't stealing them away from Florida right. and Florida State and Miami. Right, they were taking. There's only, you know. Florida, Florida State, Miami, that's like 60, 65 scholarships a year. And not every single kid on those three rosters is from Florida. So maybe it's 50. The 50 best kids in Florida go to Florida State, Florida, and Miami. The 51st best kid in Florida is an unbelievable player. So then Ohio State could go in and get those guys. Urban's going in and and competing for the top 10 kids in Florida. And and getting one or two here or there. So that would change. I don't know that there's anybody that could do that. And I think there are some Ohio State fans that would be okay with that. And we've talked about that before, about like not losing your Ohio base, whatever, like this kind of thing. Um, But you're just not – you're not going to be – There's. I don't think there's anybody in the country who could have gone in and gotten Baron Browning, Jeffrey Okuda, and J.K. Dobbins out of Texas in the same class. I don't care how bad Texas is. That was insane. Yep. And so that's not going to happen anymore if he's gone. All right. If he stays, is there is there a, is there if he stays? There's not a question about if he stays. If he stays, whether he's suspended or not, what is the new situation? Or like, oh, can you mean, we mean get relative back? to the team or relative to the university? Just Urban Meyer stays. What does it mean for everything? Are we back to square one? Things. Are like they used to be, or what has changed with Urban Meyer still as the head coach, having lived through this? I think from the team standpoint, nothing. And like, I'm hesitant to go down this road, uh, but I think it's true. Uh, I think it's true. Uh, I think it's true. I think it's true. We th- we shot a video last year after Ohio State kicked Michigan State's ass. Asking, is angry Ohio State the best team in the country? And you don't think they'd be angry after this? The coaches would want them to be. I think they would be. The only question, I mean, I, I proposed that idea as a joke like two weeks ago, how many headlines we're going to see of that. Could they sustain that for potentially 15 games? Like, I don't know, but I think it's a thing. As much as I hate that line of thinking, I think it's a thing. So, and it's not to suggest they like, come out of this better, but um, I think it's out there. I think it's out there for Urban to be angry, his coaches to be angry, his players to be angry, and they go do something. I think that's there. You think they would win more 
You think they would have? You think they have a bet? Would they have a better chance to win the national championship than like, if this didn't happen? Like, yeah, like I feel bad saying that because I feel like it. Because I'm going to yell. Well, that, <laughs> but also I'm just worried about like the, the thing we're talking about is very serious. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's possible. Somebody, I was on a radio uh, a couple weeks ago talking with somebody in Oregon, and they were like, uh, I was they were like trying to get to the point where like, oh man, Ohio State's a little shaky. Can Oregon State give them a game? I was like, no, they're going to lose by seventy because they're yeah. going to be pissed off. Yeah, yeah. And Oregon State's different than running the table and winning the national title, but I think that point can hold throughout the season. Tim, uh, I mean, as much as I kind of buy the idea that Ohio State could play angry, it, I I just said it. It's imp- it's impossible to really sustain that over a fif- like fifteen games, which is. Going all the way to the national championship game in Santa Clara, I think there. I think there could be a lot of that. That extra motivation, you know. But you have. It, but Urban's got to be smart. Would have to be smart to parcel that out. Don't throw all your anger at Oregon State and just waste it. And like, hey, we won ninety-one to three when really your second team could probably beat Oregon State by forty. So I think you got. He's got to toe that line a little bit. But as far as expectations for what they could do, that it goes back to kind of what we thought before the season. Like, before all this stuff came out, I was like, this is a team that could contend for the national title. They could be that last team standing with Alabama and Clemson. You know, it's those three teams that really is hard to see anybody else outside of maybe Georgia get in that mix to win a national title. But maybe it's business as usual. But what do you, do you think it's business? Do you. Urban is back and the head coach and not suspended. You think it's just whatever. The season was what I thought it would be two months ago. Um, it could be until they lose a game. Then you could wonder how much of all this stuff was like a distraction. But do you? I'm asking you if you think that's going to happen. Because there's one thing is like how we would look at it, and there's another thing like how the coaches are going to attack it. Yeah, I think Urban Meyer, if he doesn't lose his job, first time he talks to the team does something along the lines of like, sorry, I put you guys through this, but I think this showed what, what the world thinks of Ohio State. They want to take us down, and I think he would play that card. Now, I personally think it's a load of malarkey, and I am sick of everybody being against the world. The world is against everybody. The world. I'm going to write a comment about this. The world has the toughest schedule there is. Because the world is against everyone. The world's got to play everybody. And everybody's out Everybody's out to get the team that you care about. Everybody hates your team. Michigan feels like it's against the world. Michigan State feels like it's against the world. People said James Franklin's overrated. I bet you Penn State's against the world now. Now Ohio State's going to be against the world. Everybody wears Ohio against the world t-shirts. The world's not against you. You should not have to motivate yourself by thinking every other human... On the face of the frickin' planet, hate you. You're a lunatic if you think that. So, I'm not saying that the coaches aren't going to play it. They might. They might. I think they probably will. I think it's a load of malarkey. The players have nothing to do with this. Urban screwed this up. I'm not saying maybe you should be fired. Maybe you shouldn't. This is Urban's fault. The way he handled Zach Smith, he could have handled it better. No doubt. But the players have nothing to do with this. So to take an outside thing that's all about a knucklehead or worse wide receivers coach and and a head coach who didn't handle him the right way, and suddenly that's supposed to motivate Dwayne Haskins? 
Let Dwayne Haskins' life motivate Dwayne Haskins. Don't bring your garbage that you did into a room and say, Now, hey, Baron Browning, you came from Texas to play for Ohio State. Why should you want to play well this week? Because a national columnist wrote something mean about your head coach. That is ridiculous to me. But there, I bet you they'll play. Yeah. You don't think it could work? I think it's unfair to the players. It's not. This is not about the players. This is zero percent. Nobody is saying player. Now, in 2011, that was all about the players or some of the players. Mm -hmm. And so some of those players were affected. Some of those players felt their brothers were negatively impacted in an unfair way. Some of them felt like some of their brothers let them down. This is administrative bullshit crap. <laughs> Good save. Yeah. <laughs> crap. <laughs> this is this is procedural ding dong stuff that has nothing to do with Austin Mack and Demetrius Knox and Terry McLaurin. And I think it's stupid to come in and, and try that. Now, I, I'm expecting they do. I am not participating in it. I am not participating in it. I don't argue that maybe it's possible. I think it's malarkey, the idea that, oh, now, oh, before we cut, yeah, we, we, if this hadn't happened, we would have wanted to win the national championship. But now that I've mishandled an assistant coach and an investigatory body <laughs> made up of six people, three of whom were on a board, led by someone who works for the NFL, conducted a 17-day investigation, presented their findings orally to the board of trustees, who then met on a Wednesday morning with Michael Drake, went over the findings, uh -oh. reached a conclusion, announced a decision. Now we're motivated! Teenager, now you're motivated. What's your motivation? Everybody does this stuff like uh, the Browns did a thing in Hard Knocks, and I think they stole from Ohio State. Like, what's your why? What's your why? Okay, uh, Jordan Fuller, what's your why for this season? Let me see if I have enough room to write this on my post-it note to put in my mirror. My why is an unfair national media narrative negatively affecting my head coach based on his mishandling of an assistant coach that was not a violation of Title IX procedures, but therefore was investigated while he was on paid administrative leave in an unfair fashion that negatively impacted the public relations of the university in Columbus that I am a part of. Therefore, that is my why. That's your freaking why? Everybody else can write those stories. I'm not writing them. I'm, I'm not, not writing it. I, I I did not say what I said like to suggest that this is going to be like a theme of what I write about this season because uh, it's not. <laughs> but uh, I think you're underestimating how much a group of teenagers might buy into Ohio State versus the world. But I think I will say to Doug's point, I was thinking about this. I was going to chime in until like you were so far in that I just want to let you go all the way to the That's end. That's safer for everyone. But uh, I'm, I think anybody that makes the 2014 comparison, you guys were around the team. Obviously, I was not, um, can kind of squash this because 2014, the playoff, was about the team. You know, the team was on its – Ohio State was on its third quarterback going up against mighty Alabama, unbeatable Alabama – and that's where, and that's where, if you have the entire, that's a situation where everybody is being, you know, talked about negatively. Like, oh, you've got no shot. That's where motivation, the us against the world, works. Whereas this situation, it's about how much the guys want to fight for the head coach, and if they can sustain that for 15 weeks again. I said that's not possible because I mean, eventually, I mean, these are human beings. They're going to tire out at some point. There's going to yeah, be mental tired out against Purdue. 
Like obviously that's true. You don't have to be you don't have to be up to that level throughout your entire fifteen game schedule to go to the national championship because half the teams you play suck. But my point is that I think they will want to fight for their head coach, and I think they will want to fight for their coaching staff. And I think on some level they feel the same connection with each other. The, the, the connection they feel with each other, I think, extends to the coaching staff. Maybe not to quite the same extent, but on a certain level, I think it happens. And I think that can matter when you have to go to Penn State in the fourth week of the season and play in Beaver Stadium. Not when you're playing Minnesota two weeks later. Who cares? I mean, I'm not doubting that's a possibility. I just always wonder about how well they can sustain that. Yeah, but sustainability, like, you're you're lumping in the eight games they play against crap with the four games that matter. And, I like, why? They can play the third team and win, like you said. doesn't matter. I think I'm going to ask the players um, – because how many adversity questions are they going to get? A lot. And I'm not going to ask any. I'm going to ask them why they care about a $8 million a year head coach who had an administrative failing that doesn't affect them either way. Why and does that actually motivate them? Why does that motivate you to win a game? If you're motivated by your family and your brothers on the team and and all the people who helped you along the way to get here, and well, I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'm just a contrary old fart hmm. final question what's gonna happen wait do we want to talk about uh we got this question oh from, oh yeah from hampshire jack if urban does or doesn't get suspended is there backlash next year from osu's decision to not support him Say if a Power 5 school has a head coaching position open and makes Urban an offer to be the highest paid coach in Power 5, does he stay at Ohio State? Or would he leave because the relationship has been strained in some way? I think the question is is, is whether he feels like Ohio State didn't support him here. Yes. Um, like if he keeps his job, I, I don't know. Can you be that mad at Ohio State about the process? He brought some of this on himself. If you believe that lying to the media is some part of this, and we'll find out mm-hmm. Wednesday whether they view it or not. It's not. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters whether the the board thinks that somehow factors into this. He brought that on himself. He didn't have to do that. Um, and he's the guy who had Zach Smith on staff. I mean, again, Zach Smith is not a guy who, no matter who the head coach of Ohio State would be, Zach Smith would be a coach here. Like, that's true with some guys. Like, Alex Grinch would be an assistant coach at Ohio State right now, no matter who the head coach was. I think Larry Johnson might be. I think Taver Johnson might be. I think Greg, well, not probably not Greg Stradaro. Ryan Day would be. <laughs> but it's like there are some guys on the staff who are like, they're only here because Urban's the head coach. Bill Davis, only here because of Urban. Zach Smith, only here because of Urban. Tony Alford would be here no matter what. He has an Urban connection, but he also has an Ohio connection. He's got an Earl connection, too. Greg Stradaro, only here because of Urban. So... I guess, do you think Urban, like if he keeps his job, is he going to be mad at Ohio State that they somehow did him wrong in this process? No, I don't think so because it does, it does seem like we haven't really heard from Gene Smith, but like we talked about before, it's, it has seemed like all along that they were aligned in some way. Maybe aligned is the wrong word, but like on the same side of we handled this the right way. So like I don't know who he'd be mad at. I think we it got to the point that Ohio State had no choice but to do an investigation to find out things were handled properly, and I think right. he understands that. Um, so no, I don't know. I don't think he'd be. I don't think there'd be any kind of strained relationship. Tim, do you think there should be strain? 
No, I'm, I'm pretty much kind of 100% with what Bill just said. Okay. I, I don't really know that there'd be strain either. So is there any to the any idea of like, you know, this isn't Shangri-La anymore? Like I, the whole – Urban had pretty – six pretty smooth years here. Mm-hmm. They had the quarterback controversy that he screwed up in 2015 that kept what maybe was the best team in the country from making the playoff. But there really wasn't – <clears throat> I think part of the reason why he burned out of Florida because there was like because of all the stuff. Now again, he brought on a lot of the stuff on himself, but it was like it was it was hard. There was a lot of stressful stuff. He's not a victim here, but I think that helped him burn out. In six years here, there hasn't been a lot of stressful stuff. This is a lot of stressful stuff. So would it be like you know what? Like I, if there's an opportunity, yeah, this isn't just like smooth sailing, perfect. Would he be more open to Notre Dame to the NFL because? Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't Camelot. Maybe I guess I, w- I, w- I wouldn't say there's a zero percent chance of that, but I think it's a pretty low percent chance. Okay, I'm not sure that I would think it would change much from what I thought before, which was I always thought he's happy here, but I definitely always thought he could go to the NFL. So I don't yeah, know. I think yeah, I, I still think that too. I, I just like the the only other program I could ever see him coaching at is Notre Dame, and I just don't know if he. If he got fired, I think Notre Dame should fire Brian Kelly tomorrow, hire Urban Meyer. But yeah, yeah. Um, short of that, no, I don't. I don't think he'd go to another college program. Okay, predictions. Unless there's other questions. There was a question like about the journalism and all this. We can talk about that. Okay, that's a fair. That's fair. From uh, from Jordan uh, R. Sending an email, he says, uh, "Brett McMurphy broke a credible story." Uh, do you think, as a reporter, he crossed the line? And this is from a while ago. Um, this is from August fourth. Um, do you think he crossed the line uh, with a tweet questioning Evermeyer's ability to answer questions in media day by comparing that to his ability to call a play against Michigan? Up until that point, McMurphy stated he had no personal vendetta against Meyer. I believe that tweet was meant to be extremely personal, showed a lack of class, and was overall petty. I'm interested to see your, what your opinions are about the situation as you are in the same profession. And a lot has happened journalistically since that question. Yes. I think mm-hmm. people under – you, you should have, we're not going to run through everything that's been said and written since then. Um so here's the thing is that – and I think this is okay. In the modern world, there used to be a very strict delineation between like beat writers and columnists. Columnists offered opinions. Beat writers covered the facts and didn't offer their opinions. To a large degree, that has changed, and I think it's a change for the good. You have a lot of beat writers who have expertise on a subject, who can offer analysis, who can offer opinions and be very informed and help the reader. And I don't think that the most informed people about a team should not ever be allowed to – never have an opinion. So that has changed. So I know some people still get caught up in like, well, there's a delineation there. So Brett McMurphy is just, he's a, he's a sports writer. He's a journalist. He's a sports writer. But I think sometimes opinion gets in there as long as you are sort of letting people know that like this, there is some of my opinion in here. But I do think clearly both Brett McMurphy on the side of Courtney Smith and Jeff Snook on the side of Urban Meyer have taken up positions. They are they are advocates for a side here. We are not advocates for a side. We might have an opinion on what we think might happen, on what should happen, on what we would do, on, on information we've gathered, how we interpret that information, but we do not have a side that we think everything Courtney Smith says is right and every, or everything Urban Meyer in Ohio State says is right. And people, those two journalists have taken up sides. And so you just have to know that. I don't think either of them, this is what I asked, if there was information that either of those people became aware of, 
that was viewed that was viewed as against the side that they have taken in this, would they report it? Would they write it? I think not. So then that's telling you that it's not down the middle journalism. If Brett McMurphy found something that said, here's something that happened that that cast Zach Smith in a better light and cast Courtney Smith in a worse light. And this is not what this is about, but we have gone off the rails. We have not, but some of the journalism here has gone off the rails with personal attacks that are really not relevant to the primary issues at hand. But if he found that information, I don't know that he would print it. And if Jeff Snook found something that said Urban Meyer did this or did that, that would cast Urban Meyer in a negative light, I don't think he would write it. So you just have to know that. So I think there have been mistakes made. I think there have been conclusions jumped to. I think it has gotten personal, and I'm not sure why. There's a thing about this, and and, and I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to like call people out, but I just want to say generally, I think in media today, it's very easy to write about yourself. It's much easier to write about yourself and use yourself as an everyman and yourself as the straw man, then actually go out and talk to people, then go out and interview people. And so people write about themselves as if they are the one like, I, here, here's what I think. And this is how, as this is what means how, this is how everyone's reacting to it rather than go interview 20 people. Yeah. I also think that like the old newspaper thing of like man on the street, Hey man on the street who has no idea what's going on. What do you think? I don't care what that person thinks. Yeah. Because that doesn't matter either. If you you found these five people, but if you stood on a different street and talked to these five people, they would have said a different thing. So is that actually information? That's not information. Newspapers used to make me do that stuff all the time. It's stupid. Um, but you should try to – I think it's worthy to try to find a, a vibe in the community, right? People have made this personal. Someone – so Tre, I'll say Trevor Maddich from ESPN did a video the other day saying like, I had very strong opinions on this, but I, I, my opinion now is let the facts play out. But here's why I reacted the way I did, and it's because his mother was the, a victim of domestic abuse at the hands of his father, and everybody was praising Trevor Maddich. This is important. This is people need to hear this. Well done, Trevor Maddich. That's an important thing, right? People should be against domestic abuse. Should like the fact that that happened to like it happened to a sports announcer who was opining on this, but it didn't happen to another sports announcer. Does that matter to everybody? Like, does that like whether it happened to you or not, whether you have a personal connection to it, domestic abuse happens. Domestic abuse is awful, whether it happened in your family or not. And I'm a little tired of the media being like, well, it happened in my family. So that's why I'm like this. Well, it's not about you. It's about us being representatives of the people. And there are people listening to this podcast who have domestic abuse in their family. And it doesn't matter whether I have a domestic abuse in my family. It's in the world. It's not about me. We're representing you. There are people who've had difficult situations with their employer. There are people that you are people who love your university and love your football team. That's allowed. We don't have to sit up here and preach and say, how dare you put your football team ahead of a serious issue like domestic abuse. Listen, fans are fans. Fans love what they love. You can't just take a whole swath of people and say they're all idiots for behaving this way because I think that. 
that's a behavior. You have to acknowledge that behavior and contrast it with other behavior, but it's not about what happens to us. So all of this, it's just modern journalism. It's easy to make it about you. And I think a lot of this, and a lot of people have come from the standpoint of, well, I think I've had this, I've, I'm experienced with this, so therefore I think this. I don't care what your experience is. A newsroom needs people from a, a variety of backgrounds with a variety of experiences because you want to represent the world. Mm -hmm. It's not about representing what happened to people in that newsroom. So I understand that maybe there are issues that are very personal to you. I don't care. It's not about you. It's about this situation. And I think across the board, whether someone doesn't like Urban Meyer personally, whether someone thinks he's smug, it's not about that. It's about what happened, was it handled properly, and what is the correct punishment or adjustments moving forward for a very important university, a very important athletic department, a very important football program, and a very important issue, which is domestic violence, which is a community issue, is not a marital issue between two people. Survivors of domestic abuse feel alone all the time. And so there are great important discussions to be had here, but I don't care about what you, Mr. or Mrs. Journalist, thinks based on your one tiny worldview because it's not about your worldview it's about the whole worldview of everybody that we write for and i think this whole story is a representation of how that has been lost to a degree in journalism today because it is a lot easier to say i went to five hamburger stands and i ate five hamburgers and here's the hamburger i think is the best that's a lot easier than doing, I went out and I talked to 100 people who ate at all the hamburger stands. And this means this is the best hamburger stand. It's not whether I like pickles or not. But we're in a world of whether it's supposed to matter whether the person writing the story likes pickles. And I don't care if you like pickles. Because not everybody likes pickles and not everybody hates pickles. And if we can't realize that when we're covering a story, we've failed. Way to bring in a food analogy. Keep it on brand. But I would like to say at the end, I hate robots. <laughs> no, I think yeah, I don't. I don't have anything that that I, I agree with you. Yeah. What's gonna happen? I don't even know what that question was. Uh, the question was about like the journalism. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was an answer. Yeah, that was an answer. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's gonna happen, Bill? Um. I think he stays, and I think he stays with no suspension. I think he just gets reinstated, and like he's on the practice field the day after the decision comes down. As long, yeah, well, I guess that like that's assuming that what he said in his statement is true, and I have no reason to believe that it's not. And I don't think he should be suspended for what, however you want to label what he did at Big Ten Media Day, lying, misspeaking, not understanding the questions, being under false, being asked questions under false pretenses. Like, I don't care. Um, I don't think you should, I don't think he'd be suspended for that. So I think they'll reinstate him and offer an apology and like be clear about the things that I said about their policies. Um, maybe make a donation to something. I don't know, to get a little good publicity if that's even possible. Um, 
but I think he is the head coach the day after they make the decision and is on the practice field. And I think it's important to preface all of our answers here by saying this is under the assumption that the facts that have been presented are true and there are not other facts that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. This is an investigation. We don't know what else they might have found. And so if they found other things and then it's like, well, then oh, well, we, well, sure. nobody knew that. Sure. But I think people are it, – it's, it's just an – there's a lot we don't know. So it's like we're trying to guess what's going to happen based of, yeah. Like it's not, and and it's been written, like Pete Thamel at Yahoo interviewed some lawyers and then Tim May in the dispatch had a story with like some anonymous sources saying like the scope of the interview was not just did Urban know about domestic abuse, domestic abuse allegations against Zach Smith and did he handle it properly? Like it went beyond that. Yeah. So like what beyond that includes, I have no idea. Right. What we know. Yeah. Just going off what we know publicly, um, I think he stays. Tim. I think he stays, and I think there's almost two options on the table. I go to him like, we'll either suspend you for X amount of games, or you can pay this hefty fine to charities for domestic violence awareness and education. And I would think he would probably want to take the latter, because if you take the former, like Bill said, it's an admission of guilt. And I would think as, but I would think if it came down to that, he would do whatever it took to keep his job, because he's already here, and I mean, would you, if you're Urban Meyer, would you really want to start somewhere else brand new again for the third time in like the last decade? But I think I go. Maybe if you think he did nothing wrong. Yeah, but I go back to the McIntyre thing. Um, we said it's hard to compare the two, <coughs> and I don't really want to, but I think that comparison is there. I don't think it's, why is it hard? I think it's a great comparison. I think it's like a very sensible comparison that a lot of people don't know is out there. Why do you think it's hard to compare? Well, because we already we know for a fact it went up the chain of command. We know for the fact that the assistant and they did nothing. We know for a fact the assistant coach was the interim defensive coordinator for a game and a month later resigned, was charged with five secondary I believe it was five second degree felonies and three misdemeanors. But I mean your point is from, from what we know at the moment, Colorado was worse and nobody was fired. I think that's a valuable comparison. Yeah. And to Bill's point, that's why I think a fine, a definitely a hefty fine, I'd say in the two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar neighborhood is understandable, especially considering that's a, not a large chunk of money of Urban Meyer's salary, but it'd be enough to like admit that we could that he could have done better, that everybody could have done better. And to Bill's point, if anybody's like think when it comes to you know what coaches say at media days, whatever. If a coach was fired for what he did at media, lying at media days, there'd be no more coaches. They all lie. They have to lie. It's part of the job of being a head coach is you have to lie. You have to. So I'm, I don't mean to be like a jerk about it, but like I hate that. Like I, I don't know where we are in the world that it's like everybody lies. Who cares? I mean we know what's happening in the world. I, I don't think that alone is a fireable offense. But I hope we're not in a place where it's like, who cares? People lie. No big deal. I hope we're not there. Are we there? No, I don't think so. Are we supposed to be there? No. I don't think so. And Am I naive for, for wanting to believe that when I ask someone a question, they're giving an answer that's true? And I understand. There's a difference between that, lying and being evasive, I think, too. Yeah. Like blatantly giving wrong information <coughs> to deceive is different than being evasive. I, I just, I mean, like. I, I, I don't want to make that a big deal, but I, I hate that. I hate it. Who cares? Everybody lies. Because we've gotten that a million times on Twitter. Don't you care? Can't we care? I'm not saying you should be fired. 
we can't care. You don't care if people lie. It doesn't matter if people lie. Is that where the world is for real? It may not be where the world is, but that's where college football is. No, it's, I don't it's, think so. It's the sport with the least amount of transparency in North America, I think. And I, so, okay. I mean, I don't want to get hung up on that, but it's just, uh, there's a part of this that, like, it's not about us, but there's a lot of people on Twitter. I mean, I made a joke. By the way, I'm just going to put this out there. If you don't have a sarcasm filter, just unfollow me. <laughs> if I have an exclamation point in my, I did a fake statement after Ryan Day put out a statement. And in the fake statement, I said I was joking. And I also, at the end, had an exclamation point. That's a clue. I have never used a non-sarcastic exclamation point since third grade. If you see me use an exclamation point, it's sarcasm. It's not me hammering home a point because I'm an adult person. I don't use exclamation points. Also, if I say that I don't know what Thomas Jefferson thought about football, but if he did like football, he would want us talking to linebackers. I'm kidding. Most people realized I was kidding. Some people responded and were like, you blowhard media. I hope you never. Just unfollow me. Just get off Twitter. I mean, I don't care. Stay on Twitter and look at puppy videos, but unfollow me. It's healthier for you and it's healthier for me. I don't understand the idea of, like, we don't care if you guys ever talk to somebody again. Who cares? Don't you care about, like, reading about the team you care about? I don't get that either. I think a lot of people do. I, I, I saw those comments, too. I don't, I don't think they're representative of the Ohio State fan base or college football fans in general. I think there is an understanding that um, without our ability to ask players and coaches questions, like, you're kind of like propaganda is not the right word but you're not getting like what the real deal is yeah i don't i just i don't get that so there's some things in this that it's not at all the deal and one of the problems here has been getting away from the main point but i just if you just think it's okay to lie and you don't care if the media ever talks to anybody then okay then get off twitter then i don't what like like if you don't care if you don't care about the media why are you following a journalist on twitter yeah you just want me spouting off without talking to people? I spout off enough. <laughs> you want me never talking to people? All spouting? Who thinks that's good? I just don't get it. I, I, I just don't get it. One thing I want to say is I know there's been reports like there's going to be – sources say there's going to be a, recommend, a recommendation of a suspension. I don't even know what that means. Like, well, who cares what they recommend? Who's doing the recommendation? This and, is like the, the job of the investigative this, team is not the, to offer. I mean, I don't even I don't even know what that means. I, I have no idea. Like, and and also, and I'm not disparaging. I'm just telling you. Like, sometimes you read a report and it's like, well, of course, nobody. If it was the opposite, nobody would say it. All right. And also the idea that it's thorough. If it wasn't thorough, people wouldn't be saying it. So it's like I don't know. There's some stuff being floated here. That's fine. It's the way this thing works. Um, my guess is a suspension. I think if they wanted to fire him, they could have fired him by now. The idea of like letting this drag on, like we're in, we're going to make it. I mean, what what's the date? They're going to make the decision on the twenty first, the twenty second. We should have a decision on the twenty second or twenty third. And he said the stuff on the twentieth. Zach Smith was fired on July twenty third. At a month, you waited a month to come to the conclusion Urban Meyer's fired. You could have fired Urban Meyer three weeks ago and been past this. Yeah. I think that is something here of 
when you're just looking at the logistics, it has not been good for Ohio State to have this out in the world for a month with a lot of uncertainty and speculation, and they haven't said anything. That's not good for them. If they wanted to fire him, they could have fired him. Also, spend, also spending a lot of money on it. Spending a lot of money. So I, 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 my, that helps me lead to the idea that I think he stays. I think they do a suspension for PR. I think if he's back at practice on Thursday, I think they're really going to take a hit. A bigger hit than they would take if he's suspended. I think that might factor into it. Whether yeah. And I know I, I understand your point, and I think your point is a good one. Either he did it right or he did it wrong. He's back or he's fired. There's no in-between because you want to make a strong statement either way. We're basing it on facts. These are the facts. We're not playing PR games. I think that's a very interesting point. I just think that the PR part of it is they have to do something beyond time served or Freddie Prince is going to be making fun of them. <laughs> so you, you think he'll get like a game or two? I think I think maybe two games. Yeah. So, But I think that could be wrong, and I talked to somebody who like – who is a sort of a mover and shaker in Columbus who deals with Ohio state, who is a hundred percent sure he's going to be fired. So, um, I think it would be hard in the end to have an investigation that concludes urban Meyer did not break any Ohio state rules, but he is fired. I think that's a little bit of a, of a, I, I think that's a, I think it's a hard sell on some level. Yeah. And it's an like expensive you're, one too. And you're admitting like, we're only firing it. Why are you firing him then? Like, why are you firing him? Did he break a rule? Did he break it? I mean, this is the kind of question if he's fired. And I'm not, if he's not fired, I'm going to have to ask him only questions too if we get a chance to ask him. And I think this is part of it too. If they don't have a report for people to read and they don't take many questions, then they should be set on fire. Not, yeah, but I didn't, they have to be transparent about this. I did not take the release that said that the board was getting a verbal report as, a suggestion that there is not going to be a written report. I agree with that. People jump to some conclusions on that, that I don't know that that, I think maybe they wanted a verbal report then because they didn't want stuff leaking out. Yeah. But yeah. they'll get a, or to a written the process. They'll get a written report Wednesday. Again, as we've said many times, a very important factor in this typing. Mm-hmm. Maybe the typing wasn't done on Monday and now they'll have the typing done by Wednesday. Jessica Beal didn't call. Um, so that's it. We're going to be back with a with a real podcast. Of course, we didn't keep it to an hour, but we kept it to an hour and a half. We'll be back when this is decided. We're going to write a million stories, and you guys need to be reading cleveland.com slash OSU. We're going to do videos. We're going to have coverage of everything that happens when this decision comes down. And then when we're done with all of that, we will sit down and do a incredibly gigantic podcast. We will put out a call on Twitter for your questions specifically about the decision, what you want to know about that. And we're anticipating if this comes down Wednesday, again, we're thinking it comes down either Wednesday or Thursday. The meeting's Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then the decision has to be made. If you had to guess, you think Wednesday afternoon? My guess is Wednesday afternoon, evening. Okay. So if that happens, we're going to have to we can do a lot of writing, but we'll do a podcast before we go to bed. But you guys probably won't get it till Thursday morning. Yeah. But it'll be gigantic and it'll be huge. This was a sort of interim podcast, and that's why we'll also get to our ads in the other one. I forgot to do the ads, but it's like this is a bonus thing. This is not really the Wednesday podcast because it's going up on Tuesday. But, of course, we want to say thank you to our friends at ShopOhioState.com and at MinutemanTickets.com. Minuteman Tickets, they're our ticket guys. Let them be your ticket guys. ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State Barnes & Noble University Bookstore. The finest Ohio State apparel you can find in person on High Street and online at ShopOhioState.com. So, 
We will be back when this is decided. This will self-destruct. Thanks for listening as we try to break this down one final time. For Bill and Tim, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.